not necessarily a common one that people talk about. Maybe, maybe you do. Um, amen for that. But is the, is the, the spiritual discipline of guidance. Um, and actually it was just yesterday uh, that Jenny and I were at a Christian um, bookstore. We were, we were popping in to a bookstore that had opened. Um, we are actually uh, in, in a place, we're actually in Dallas. We came down and popped down for, um, for Mother's Day here. But they opened up the Christian bookstore and we were in there. We were looking at some books um, and I found this book and it's called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Um, and it's kind of a, one of those titles that kind of grabs your attention, right? So I started to thumb through it. But um, here's a couple verses um, that, that stood out to me from the book. And actually what the author did is he actually kind of looked at churches that had basically ended or deceased that died and, and kind of looked at what were some of the reasons or what were some of the symptoms of these, um, these deceased churches. And these two verses that stood out to me. The first says the churches were purposeless. They were engaged in an activity called, this is the way we've always done it. And the second uh, verse that stood out to me is members of the dying churches really didn't want growth unless that growth met their preferences and allowed them to remain comfortable. And I, as I read through this book, obviously there were parts of my heart that were pricked um, as I read through it. And I thought, wow, this is actually perfect for kind of the reason that we desperately need spiritual guidance as a church to be led by the Holy Spirit um, and not led by our preferences or not led by our inclinations of the flesh. And so that's exactly what we're going to look at here and talk about what it is to be led by the Spirit. Uh, and, and there's a couple of verses that kind of pop out, especially in the book of Acts. And if you think any time um, churches are going to have a bump in terms of direction, uh, or where to go. Um, and a lot of churches split and break over a lot of different preferences and opinions on different things. And so the spiritual discipline of guidance is of great importance. But one of the more miraculous events, and there's kind of two I wanted to point out, but the first is in Acts 13, if you can just pop over there real quick, is, is uh, it's kind of amazing in, in its brevity and how short it is. Um, but nonetheless, astounding in terms of what it actually says. And in Acts chapter 13, it says, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now that's amazing because it says, They've been brought up with Herod and Saul, right? It says they're worshiping the Lord. And then the Holy Spirit said, Holy Spirit said, all right, Saul, Barnabas, you're my guys. Now, I wonder how that looked. What did that look like for the Holy Spirit to say that? Was it through a person? Was it, did they all just agree? But somehow these people came together and it's not just anybody. It's a lot of leaders coming together, a lot of opinionated people coming together, but leaving unified in kind of what the Holy Spirit actually desires. And then in Acts chapter 15, the event that should have broken up the first century church, the Gentile controversy, actually doesn't. That the, the, the Christians come together and it says they actually came to a decision led by the Holy Spirit on Gentiles and how much of the law they should obey. And then they moved on. Now we're in Acts 16. 
And it's amazing, probably one of the high watermark of the book of Acts is that these Christians were actually able to last more than a few months without killing each other. That they actually didn't, they lasted more than a few months without breaking into 20,000 denominations based on what song they like to sing or based on what kids ministry they liked or based on what kind of friends they could have. And that's amazing. But it was because they were spirit led. And that is guidance. Guidance is simply a knowledge that in the power of the Spirit, Jesus has come to guide his people himself. An experience of his leading that is as definite and as immediate as the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And remember how the Israelites were led by both these after they were freed from slavery, but to be led by the Spirit. But how do we do that? How do we actually seek, seek guidance? Now, we're going to head down a path, inevitably, where people, people uh, maybe have an issue with, because we think about well, what, what does the Holy Spirit want? You know, if you think about maybe uh, the story of the guy, you know, who, who says, well, the Spirit made this, this clear to me that I should go and accept this job, uh, or the Spirit made it clear to me that I should go marry this woman, because I prayed in the morning that if I see a woman in red today, that that's the, my wife, and I saw a woman in red, so hey, guess I better go marry her. It was the spirit, right? I know it was the spirit. Like, how do you know what is the actual guidance of the spirit? How do you know what's just somebody else's opinion? How do you know what's your own opinion? And so this is, I think, why it is a spiritual discipline of guidance is there's a process to it. And the spiritual discipline of guidance is so, so, so important um, because I think the, the alternative is, is simply just guilt. Because I think, and part of this is because I think over the years, we've, we've looked, people have sought out guidance from others, um, but sometimes it can easily be corrupted or turn into manipulation or turn into you didn't listen to me or you didn't obey my advice, which is kind of a paradox or an oxymoron sentence, right? But, and so people begin to make decisions on their own. They begin to make decisions individually. Now, I don't really want to emphasize the idea of individual guidance tonight. I think we're actually fine with that. I don't think anybody here is, is having a problem with, with that. I think we actually have a, a bigger problem with communal or corporate um, guidance. How can we as a family group, how can we as the Yopros, as the marrieds, as the parents, as the church, be led by the Spirit together? But I think uh, there's actually an incredible freedom. Remember, all the disciplines are not the goal. The discipline is what gets us to the goal. The discipline gets us to the freedom. And the freedom of guidance is that you are actually at peace with these decisions that you make because they're not from you. They're not your own decision. Now, when we make decisions on our own, we are racked with guilt. Did I make a, did I make a mistake raising my kid like that? Did I make a mistake choosing to move? Did I make a mistake when I chose this person to marry? Did I make a mistake when I did this? Because when you do it by yourself, there's, there's really no way of actually having the peace uh, of, of, of this authority uh, to kind of say, well, no, we, this is not just within my heart. This has been done outside of me. This has been done collectively. And there's the freedom of being able to make massive choices, but be at peace about them. I was, um, I was talking to my mom about that uh, somewhat recently. And, you know, I went to four different elementary schools as a kid. We moved a lot for the church. My parents worked in the full-time ministry. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because my mom would say, well, you know, we were just, we really believed that when we were moving, it was what God wanted. 
And so there was no guilt to it. There was, and sure, it was hard. My parents grew up in small town Kansas and moved to Los Angeles in the early 90s. You know, not exactly, you know, something that would maybe excite a small town Kansan at that time. But they believed this is what God wants us to do because it was not a decision made of their own volition. It was a decision made through fasting, through prayer, through corporate decision making. Uh, not, not democracy, by the way, but through corporate humility in terms of seeking out the will of the Holy Spirit. Because guidance is not just democracy. Guidance is not let's all vote and just choose. It's not an or, a humanistic organization. It's actually coming together and, and allowing the Spirit to do the hard work of guiding us so that we move from this to something that looks a bit more like this, to be led by the Holy Spirit into what we do. And that gives us two types of freedom. The first is assurance. The second is authority. The first is assurance, and the second is authority. And those both are evident in the verse that comes from Matthew chapter 18. You know, Jesus says this here, again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Um, actually, this scripture is quoted most often out of its context, usually when two people or three people are praying together. And they say, hey, two or three gathered, you know, now God's with them. Um, not, not necessarily untrue, but not, this is not what, that passage, what this passage is talking about. This passage is actually saying something else. It's saying, when two or, two or more of you on earth agree in my name, I'm actually going to back you up. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. I got your back. Um, when, when, when two or three are actually gathered in my name and make a decision in my name. And that's incredible because it gives us the assurance of the decision we've made that it's actually what God desires and the authority. Because I think as much as we try to like think, as much as our society tells us that we have the right to do anything we want, we have the independence to do everything we want. I think a lot of us are actually racked with a lot of guilt because we realize that we don't actually have the authority to make the decisions we're making. And that we end up just killing ourselves over the years thinking, did I blow it? Did I mess up? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Instead of saying, no, this was not, this was not a decision that was made in a corner. It was made by, you know, by more than me. And it was actually as a decision made by the Holy Spirit. Um, in those words, Jesus gave disciples both assurance and authority. There was the assurance that when a people genuinely gathered in his name, his will could be discerned. The superintending spirit would utilize the checks and balances of the different believers to ensure that when their hearts were in unity, they were in rhythm with the heartbeat of the Father. Assured that they had heard the voice of the true shepherd, they were able to pray and act with authority. His will plus their unity equaled authority. I'll say that again. His will plus their unity equaled authority. And that is what guidance is, is getting his will aligned with our unity. And that is what allows us to be able to have the authority to make, to make decisions. It's what allows us to be able to know we're not just being controlled by our culture, we're not just being controlled by our own sinful nature or our whims, but actually the will, the will of God. And kind of a, a dramatic example of this, but nonetheless an inspiring example is actually one that occurred in 1758. Uh, a guy named John Woolman and others basically pricked the conscience of the Society of Friends, and that was basically the Quakers at this time. But every year, the uh, Quakers had what's called a yearly meeting where they would come together and they would just pray and they would fast and they would just be still and try to listen to the Spirit in terms of what they need to do. God, what do you want us to do? And there was a guy named John Woolman who basically, he's 
after hours of agonizing prayer, hundreds of people there, some of the leading Quakers in America are here. And John stands up and he basically has been praying for several hours and he just goes, I can't take it anymore. My mind is led to consider, this is what he says, quote, my mind is led to consider the purity of the divine being and the justice of his judgment. And herein, my soul is covered with awfulness. For many slaves on this continent are oppressed and their cries have entered into the ears of the most high. It is not a time for delay. And there's actually a woman who stands up and, and, and they come to this decision in 1758, over a hundred years before the Civil War, to basically, you know what, no Quaker, they decide no Quaker, these are just Christians here, the denomination of Christianity, no Quaker is going to own a slave. And by the way, those who did own slaves, they said, we're actually going to set these slaves free and not just set them free, we're going to pay them reparations for all the years they were in slavery. This is what the Quakers decided in 1758 before the signing of the Declaration of Independence because of a, because they simply decided every year to take some time and just think and try to just pray and just figure out what's going on. And in that time, maybe it was the fifth or sixth or seventh hour of prayer, they go, what are we allowing to happen in this country? We need change. And even though we can't change the country, we're going to change our own actions and our own conduct. And it is in that guidance um, that we see obviously uh, an incredible choice that was made in unity in accordance with the will of God. Um, and I think that is, it is, I go to practicals in a second, sorry, but it is in this decision, I think that a lot of us can, can take, can, can take heart. You know, it's, it's being able to say, it's not just a decision that I made, but it's a decision that God's made clear and through the hearts of many people. You know, there's a famous quote that if you can't listen to the advice of other people, you're never going to listen to the advice of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be able to let people into our lives and to give them permission to be able to, and they're not telling us what to do. I know there's a lot of us that are afraid. Well, what if I let somebody in? Then they're going to tell me what to do. They're going to make me feel guilty about homeschooling my kids. You know what? No one can make you feel guilty about anything you do if it's a decision that is made in unity in accordance with the will of God. We cannot, be, but we cannot pull ourselves back in and say, well, this is just an independent choice for me to marry whoever I want or, or, or go to whatever school I want or, or take whatever job I want or move wherever I want or buy a house, whatever house I want or buy whatever car I want, right? Just because our society tells us to. But to be able to pull others in and be able to say, hold on, before we make this decision, I want to make sure this is a decision in accordance with the will of the Holy Spirit and to pull others in to be able to help make that decision. And it's not advice. Guidance is not advice getting itself, but a guidance is pulling others in to wrestle in fasting and in prayer and in worship to figure out what, what basically is, is, the, is the best decision to make. There's another example from a yearly meeting where basically a guy stands up and says, I don't agree with every, anything you guys are saying, but please be patient with me as I try to get my heart there. And I think there's something wonderful in that sentence of, I may not agree maybe with what you're saying, but I want to get my heart there. But it, can, it, it protects and it allows that great freedom. And I remember when I was dating Jenny and I wanted to get engaged. I mean, I even bought a ring. It was really embarrassing because I was buying the ring at the Fashion Square Mall and uh, Will and Lindsay Schaefer walked up uh, and they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, buying a, a ring, you know? So the cat was out the bag pretty early. And that, but it was before I actually had gotten any advice about it. And so I got the ring, you know, like what can go wrong, right? I mean, of course she wants to marry me, right? So I, I get the ring and, and uh, I go and I run it by kind of a spiritual mentor of mine, Phil Booker. And he goes, you know, you could ask, but I don't think you should. 
and Ayana, his wife, doesn't, I don't think it's best right now. I think you guys need a few more months to work out some things in your friendship. And that was, there's a crossroads there, right? Of like, well, I can do whatever I want, but there's also a spiritual person in my life, multiple spiritual people who are saying, I don't think you should. So six months go by with that ring on my dresser. Of course, I don't know what Will and Lindsay were thinking. They were probably like, whatever happened to that ring Drew bought? You know, who, who did he give that to? But eventually, you know, eventually God made it clear. But what was cool is that it wasn't a decision that I just made. And now I'm like, okay, did I, did I propose at the right time? But there's a lot of peace. And you know, it was really hard to wait. But praise God that I had people in my life who said, I would wait. I really would. And I think it's best to do so. It brings authority and it brings assurance that it's not just me leading my marriage out of my own volition or my own strength, but really trying my very best and failing, sure, quite often, but striving my very best to be spirit led. So a couple of practicals as we go through. One is just a, a group guidance meeting. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a, a quote from Richard Foster. I once attended a business session of some 200 people in which a issue had been earnestly debated. Though there was a sharp difference of opinion, each of the members sincerely desired to hear and obey the will of God. After a considerable period of time, a united sense of direction began to emerge among all except a few people. Finally, one person stood and said, I do not feel right about this course of action, but I hope that the rest of you will love me enough to labor with me until I have the same sense of God's leading as the rest of you, or until God open opens another way for us. There's a great heart there, right? I don't agree please hang in there with me as, I, as we strive to continue to never give up on, you know, the unity of the spirit of peace. Um, and so maybe that's something that you can do with your group, with your family group, with some friends. Maybe it's something that I've even thought would be great for the church to do. The other thing is a spiritual director or mentor, you might say discipler. I think the, uh, the, the quote from the book that's helpful on this is it says, his or her function is purely and simply charismatic. He leads only by the force of his own personal holiness. He is not a superior or some ecclesiastically appointed authority. The relationship is of an advisor to a friend. Though the director has obviously advanced further into the inner depths, the two are both learning and growing in the realm of the spirit. The important distinction here is it doesn't have to be hierarchical, right? But there are men who have, or women who have gone deeper into the inner depths than me, and, and I should reach out to them as spiritual directors. And I'm grateful, you know, for, for, for people like that in my life. You know, as I mentioned, Phil and I on a booker, but it doesn't have to be somebody like that. You know, there's, there's been people that, that are much deeper in their discipline of having quiet times like Rob Jeffers or much deeper in their discipline of diligence like Mark Balsh or much deeper in their discipline of love and compassion, you know, like, like Julie or Sharon, uh, much deeper, you know, and, and all these people that I could, that can be a spiritual director um, and have been. Well, many of you have been spiritual director for, for us, um, so, but, but a spiritual mentor of sorts. And so I think it gets weird when we think, oh, I can't ask somebody because what if they don't agree or, and, and our country's already you know, running away from disagreements, but we can, let's be a church that is able to disagree, but say, hey, I may disagree, but I ain't going anywhere. You know, we're going we're gonna to figure this out and we're going to align our unity with God's will. So it's a, it's a wonderful study, and uh, we'll close out with a, with a one, one breakout question, um, and then we'll have a final prayer from the gains here. But, but I just want to encourage us as a church. I, I feel pricked in my heart on this as well, and I think, man, maybe this is something that, that we need to do is just take some time as a church to, after we go through the spiritual disciplines, to, to, to just really ask the Spirit, like, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? Um, and, and not just, I think it can be easy to say, well, this is what we should do. But let's take time to really slow down and, and make sure that we are unified in his will.
that's the final question for tonight is, what is a specific area of your life in which you need guidance from the Holy Spirit? So if you want to snap a photo of that or write it down real quick, just one question tonight. I know it says discussion questions. Sorry, it's just one. Um, but yeah, just one question tonight. What is a specific area of your life in which you need guidance from the Holy Spirit? Um, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about. And you can go with your group until you're, until you're finished. You can go as long as you like. Um, but right now we're going to have a prayer from the Gaines. Um, by the way, I think they just celebrated their, their big 3-0 anniversary, um, if, I, if I'm right. And so, um, amen. And I'm sure not without a little guidance along the way, perhaps, from, for, for Tom and Carla. But, but, uh, but amen. So, if Tom and Carla, if you can go ahead and unmute yourselves and, and pray for us, um, that would be wonderful. And we'll, and we'll switch out to breakout rooms after that. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is Will Portillo. And if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or connect with us on Facebook at Blue Ridge Church of Christ. Visit us on YouTube and subscribe for weekly sermons, encouraging news, and short devotionals. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.